Good. Let's take the Word of God uh, for the last time here at the retreat. Let's go to James chapter number 4. James chapter 4. And I trust you had a good time. Thank the Lord for the good weather. And um, that is a great, great blessing. I know as I come to a time like this, I'm reminded of the story of a little boy. He uh, was sitting and watching television one day, and he saw a commercial for a great detergent to use. Boy, he liked that. He thought that was great. And he thought about his cat that he had. And he thought, my cat needs a bath. And so he went to the local grocery store, just walked there, and, and uh, he found the detergent on the commercial that he saw. He was checking out, and the man looked at him. He was checking out and said, son, I'm just a little curious. Why are you buying this detergent? He said, oh, my cat needs a bath. He said, son, th- this will kill your cat. He said, you can't wash your cat in this. He said, no, no, my cat needs a bath. This will be fine. He said, son, I'm telling you, it's going to kill your cat. He said, no, sir. And so he bought the detergent. It was a couple of weeks later, he saw the little boy in the store, and he said, hey, hey, son, he said, tell me about that cat. He said, oh, he died. He said, I told you, son, that that detergent was too powerful for him. He said, oh, no, it wasn't the detergent. It was the spin cycle that got him, you know? So, well, when we come to a service after this, um, Sometimes we have a lot of things spinning in our mind and heart, and it's hard to kind of rest. And I just want to bring one last message entitled, Our Need for Humility. Our Need for Humility. I know I preached the very first service on uh, your pride is ugly. And boy, how the Lord has dealt with me, and He continues to deal with me about my pride. Sometimes after I'm heading home, after service, the Lord will convict me. The Holy Spirit will deal with me about something I said that was spoken in pride, or something that I responded to that was prideful. But this last service, I want to talk about our need for humility. By the way, I believe that God will not do in your life and in my life what needs to be done unless we are willing to wear the clothing of humility. And I believe God wants to do great things. It is obvious what God is doing in your church, and I've been there for the Victory Conference, and it's been amazing, and it's changed our lives, my family's life. And God is doing things in our church, and we thank Him for it. But I believe the greatest need we have is the need of humility. We come to James chapter 4, let's begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust, and have not, ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us, lusteth the envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that 
speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There was one lawgiver who was able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year. Buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what should be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We notice where the Bible says in verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you will complete a work in this last moment that we have together. I thank for these men, their kindness, Lord, their, their openness to your word. I thank for the fellowship. Lord, I've, I've felt right at home just being here, and I've enjoyed this. It's encouraged my heart and strengthened me just, Lord, watching these men. And I pray that you'll do a work that, Lord, none of us can do. I pray you'll convict hearts. Pray the Spirit of God would do the work in each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe that no matter our age or our vocation or whatever we do in life, humility is always our greatest friend and pride is our greatest enemy. Humility. God has called us to humility. In fact, Jonathan Edwards said that it was spiritual pride was the greatest cause of the premature ending of of the Great Awakening, the revival that brought so much vitality. And Edwards said that it was spiritual pride. And what we need for this hour is humility. In fact, contrary to popular and false belief, it is not those who help themselves whom God helps. It is those who humble themselves before Him. You know, humility. Humility, God desires to find men that have humble hearts before Him. By the way, what is humility? I believe that humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. It is coming to the place to where we see how holy and righteous God is and how sinful and unworthy we are, and yet it is a matter of praise and glory. In fact, understand that the Bible says in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. I do not believe that humility brings us to the place of self-condemnation. But God lifts us up. There is a joy, there is a freedom in humility because we assess ourselves in God's holiness. We do not compare ourselves among one another. By the way, that is so unwise to do. When I was in college, you know, there was such a, um, such a, a tendency to compare yourself with other people to compare yourself with another preacher, to compare yourself with other gifts and talents of others. But humility is gratitude to God. It is understanding what we are and yet how much God loves us and that He is at work in our life. Our motivation for dealing with our pride must go beyond just the pitfalls and the perils of pride. I dealt with that on last night and, and I wanted to preach this message right after that. But as we think about pride, we know that we deal with pride. We can see where the pride is. But now we must move beyond that to where God wants us to be in the area of humility. In fact, our pursuit should be driven 
by the amazing promise that God holds for us here that God resisted the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. I need that, that grace from the Lord. And you need that grace. You need it for your family. You need it for your church. You need it for your home. You need it for your daily battles. We need that grace of God, that supernatural enabling to do what we can never do in our own strength. In fact, God's grace provides that providential help and the blessing. I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 57, and I want us to turn there. I want to show you a couple of passages that humility gets God's attention. Humility gets God's attention. Now, I believe that the eyes of God are a theme that runs throughout Scripture. We know that the eyes of the Lord that are upon the hearts of men. God sees, God observes. He sees our pride, but I believe that God sees our humility. And He responds to our humility. Isaiah chapter 57, look in verse number 15. The Bible says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Look what he says, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite, the word there means broken, and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Notice that the Bible says that he dwells in that high and holy place, but he dwells with the one that has a contrite and a humble spirit. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 66, would you please? And we'll look in verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 66, we come to verse number 1. Notice what the Word of God says here. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look. Now think about that. God looks to that man. He looks to him in blessing. He looks to him in grace. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. I did a study recently in our church about blessed are the poor in spirit. And we understand that poverty of spirit is not uh, having uh, a dejected look. It is not walking around acting like that we are so poor and that we are so downcast, but the poor in spirit understanding that we have nothing in and of ourselves, but we have all the riches in Jesus Christ. And our poverty in spirit is known that we in and of ourselves can do nothing good. We and in and of ourselves, there is nothing good that we can accomplish. We cannot have the victory. We cannot defeat uh, what uh, the, the sin habits in our life. But Jesus Christ has everything. He is rich. And men this afternoon, are you getting God's attention? I believe that God looks for us to see if we are humble before Him. By the way, the matter of prayer, can I say this to you? That is a matter of humility. Why does our flesh resist the matter of prayer? Because it takes humility to pray. Why do we resist that time? Now, I'll tell you this. I think the more that we pray, the more we want to pray. And the more time we spend alone with God, the more we love to be in His presence. But humility is the great need of the hour. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, there is only one thing I know of that crushes me to the ground and humiliates me to the dust, and that is to look at the Son of God and especially contemplate the cross. In fact, 
the, the songwriter wrote, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. You see, when we contemplate the cross and we understand what Jesus Christ did for us, that He died for us, that our sin put the Savior to the cross and that He died in place of us. And man, can I just share this with you? It humbles us. It breaks us as Martin Lloyd-Jones said. In fact, every time we look at the cross, we should think of Christ saying, I was here because of you. It was your sin that I was bearing, your curse I was suffering, your debt I was paying, and your death that I was dying. When we think of our sin, listen, if we think lightly of our sin, then look to the cross because that is what put the Savior on the cross to suffer and die for our sin. In fact, all of us have inflated views of ourselves, especially in our self-righteousness, until we have visited a place called Calvary. It is there at the foot of the cross that we shrink to our true size. There we understand that Christ has done it all. Now, as we think about humility, I want us to go back to James chapter number 4, and I want to give you some simple thoughts here uh, this afternoon. I pray that God would use in our lives. James chapter 4 how can we be men of humility? Our need for humility, I believe, number one, we must begin with this, submission to God. Submission. Notice what the Bible says, verse 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. The word there is unbroken. But he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. You see, the idea of submission, it is surrender. It is a yielding to the Lord. I remember when my daughter was just, just a little, little child and uh, we would put her in that car seat. You know what? She didn't like being in that car seat. And you know, she had to bend in order to get her arms in there and to strap her in for her safety. And I remember sometimes... She, we would put her in there, I would stick her in there, and I would say, all right, Abby, I've got to put the, the seatbelt on you. But she would become like a board. She would stiffen up. She didn't want to bend. And so often I would have to smack that little leg. And then the tears would come. And then you know what it would come? She would bend. She would yield so that I could put the seatbelt upon her. And men, can I tell you something? There is a bending that has to be done. I think at the conference, what the prayer was, Lord, bend at me. And the idea is submission to God. We submit to His will. We submit to His rightful place of authority in our life. We are yielding to God. And by the way, can I say this to you? As we think about this submission, if we do not submit to God, we will not be able to resist the devil. The idea is that submission comes first and then we are able to resist the devil because we have yielded to the Lord. It goes on to say, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Men, can I say this to you? Humility is the natural result of getting closer to God. It is the result of seeing God as He really is, which makes me realize who I really am. Let's take our Bibles, go to Isaiah chapter 6, and I think most of us know this passage, but I cannot miss the Word of God here in Isaiah chapter number 6. And men, let me just say this to you. The closer I get to the Lord the less that I think of myself. In fact, did you know something that the best Christian here, and who knows who that is, 
But the best Christian here doesn't think he or she is the best Christian. The person who is closest to God is the one who feels his sinfulness more keenly than everyone else. I'll tell you, the people that have been used of God don't really think they should have been used of God. Because they know their sin. They know it in the light of God's sinlessness and the God's sovereignty. Isaiah chapter number 6, we look at Uzziah and the Bible says, in the year, verse number 1, that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple, and it stood. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face. And with twain He covered His feet, and with twain He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I think all of us know Isaiah the prophet. Here he is. And by the way, if you know the, the background... He's at a troubled time. I mean, listen, Uzziah was a great king, and we, we studied about that. But Uzziah was no doubt in his time. He was a man of God that was used of God. But now Uzziah is not on the throne. And, and now it seems as if ter- things are, are terribly happening, and there are things that are not according to what um, Isaiah the prophet would ever want. And yet in that midst, he saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, he saw himself as he should have. I think all of us can remember times when we've been in church and God has moved in our hearts and we have seen the Lord, not speaking physically, but we have seen His presence. We have seen His, the worth of the Lord, His exalting of His glory. And what does it do? It causes us to see ourselves for what we really are. And it humbles us. And by the way, this humility is not a downcast. It is not a depression. It is not a self-introspection. Notice where it goes on in verse number 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. It brings about service. You see, the worship that Isaiah experienced was what he needed to humble him. And men, the closer that we get to God, the more that we see that we need to be humble before Him. By the way, I, I do not claim to be a humble man today. And as one writer said, I am a proud man pursuing humility by the grace of God. You see, I think we should all agree that we have the pride in our heart, but we are pursuing humility. Why? We are submitting to the Lord. We are yielding to Him. And folks, God cannot do in our life what needs to be done until we surrender and we yield to Him. Years ago, my son, I think he was three years of age, and one day I told him something that I wanted him to do, and he looked at me. He was very spiritual about it. And he said, Daddy, please don't tell me what to do. Now, he was nice about it. He was almost Christian about it, you know? But it was almost the ideal, Dad, don't tell me what to do, but I'm going to be real nice to you. You know, I, I think sometimes we are that way with God. Lord, I sure love you, but don't tell me what to do. Lord, I'm so grateful that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, but I am not going that far in my life. There is a part of us to where we have not surrendered to the Lord. And men, really, our Christian life 
really is more and more of us surrendering to the Lord. It's not that we get more of God, but He gets more of us. And humility is when we surrender, we bend, we yield to God. That's the beginning point. He wants to us to be broken before Him. And the Bible says to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What area of your life this afternoon have you not surrendered to God? I can remember as a teenager, after I came to know the Lord as my Savior, God began to put a desire in my heart to preach. And I knew it. But I was unsubmissive to that. And I was miserable because I would not yield. But I argued with the Lord. I said, God, this is not good. You know how I did in speech class. You know this is not a good idea. Lord, I'm shy. I'm backwards. I, I had a hard time looking at someone in the eyes when I was a young man. And, and I thought, God, this makes no sense to me. But when I surrendered, when I yielded, then there was victory. Because men, we surrender in humility to God. We surrender to Him. We yield to His direction. May God help us to know, number one, there is submission. Number two, we go back to James chapter number four. I believe there is confession. By the way, going back to this drawing nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. I believe that we are as close to God this afternoon as we want to be. I'm as close to the Lord as I want to be. That reminds me of the man driving down the road and he's sitting in the driver's seat and his wife starts crying. Now that's a bad thing when that happens, all right? And he says, honey, what's wrong? And she doesn't answer. She's just crying. These were the days of, you know, the, bucket, the, the long seats in the car, you know, not the, the kind of seats we have today in cars. But she said, you know what? Years ago, we used to sit closer while we're driving down the road. And he's sitting there. He's got the steering wheel. He looks over at her. He said, honey, I haven't moved, you know? And she scooted over. You know, sometimes I think we have the idea, God, where are you? Well, God hasn't moved. God hasn't moved away from us. He is there. And men, if we want to be close to God, draw nigh to God. We draw nigh in submission to Him. We draw nigh in obedience to Him. We draw nigh to God. And by the way, this hour of prayer, and the first time I've ever heard this was when I was at a victory conference and this hour of prayer with God, it's drawing nigh to God. He responds to our humility that we want to be in His presence and we find out He desires to, for us to be in His presence. I don't think I'll ever get over the idea that God wants to fellowship with me. God longs to talk with me. I don't understand that. I don't think I'll ever get over it. But I'm just grateful to know that God longs to hear from me. Men, it begins with submission. Number two, it also starts with confession notice what the bible says it says in verse number eight draw nigh to god and he will draw nigh to you cleanse your hands ye sinners and purify your hearts ye double-minded be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness i believe that many men are crippled and paralyzed today in their christian lives because of concealed or unconfessed sin. In fact, D.L. Moody said this. He said, I believe that nine-tenths of the trouble in our Christian lives comes from failing to confess our sins. I wonder, are we good at confessing our sin? And by the way, are we good at confessing to one another? You know, there's times I've had to go back to even people in my church and say, I need to ask your forgiveness for something I said or for the way that I acted or the way that I responded. And I'm going to tell you something, I don't like to do it. 
It is humbling to do it, but I need it. When my wife and I were first married, and I thank God for my wife, and I'll tell you, um, she has had to put up a lot with me. Most of the trouble in our marriage has been me. I will admit to that. But I remember early in our marriage, I wanted to be that leader, you know? And I felt like that if I confessed any sin to her, acknowledged my sin was a lack of leadership. And boy, how wrong I was about that. In fact, I, I struggled with that. And also, I struggled to receive reproof from my wife. Now, she always gave it to me in love and in care and in kindness. But yet, boy, I resisted that. And when I resisted that reproof, it was a mark that I was proud in my life. I worked with teenagers for 12 years and mark it down every time I dealt with a teenager and I reproved them about something. If they humbled themselves, if they, yes, you're right, and they got it right, I'm going to tell you something, God continued to work in their life. But the ones that bristled, the ones that bucked against that, that hated that reproof, I'm going to tell you, they gave place to the devil. And men, let me tell you, thank God for a pastor that you have. Thank God for a church that is willing to preach against sin, that is willing to deal with the issues in our life. We ought to welcome the reproof because it humbles us and brings us to the place of God's blessing. Confession of sin. Men, we are, we are good at confessing other people's sins, but if it is true repentance, we shall have as much as we can to do with our own sin. I had someone years ago in our church, and I preached a message that night. They said, Pastor, well, I wish so-and-so was here this morning. They needed that message. And I didn't say it, but I wanted to say, well, did you need the message, you know? It's easy for us to say, boy, so-and-so needs to hear that, and so-and-so needs to see that. But a man of humility confesses his sin before God and before others. He has that conscience that is void of offense toward God and toward man. By the way, can you imagine what it would be like? Let's say that we did not go home today, all right? Let's say that we stayed here for a week or something. But let's put it this way. Let's say that we stayed here a week and there was no water to bathe and there was no way to shower. There was no way to cleanse ourselves. Can you imagine us assembling together the stench that would be in this room? If you want to know what it's like, just work with junior high kids, all right? You'll kind of determine what that is like, you know? And I love them. I thank God for them. But can you imagine? Listen, we have to be clean, do we not? We need daily cleansing. We have to cleanse our bodies. We get dirty. But I wonder how many times the stench of our unconfession before God. We do not confess our sin. We do not come before Him. And by the way, that time of prayer, God begins to reveal sin to our life. That time of prayer is really a great mirror to us. There's sometimes there's an agony in prayer because we have to deal with our sin. And folks, may God help us today. We cannot carry things in our lives that are unforgiven and unconfessed and expect to have God's blessing. So there is submission, there is surrender, but there is confession. I wonder, is there something that you need to get right with God that you are concealed and hidden? And you know you need to get it right? What about with someone else? Do you have a conscience that is void of offense toward man that you know that you have not sinned against someone else and you have not dealt with that? Have we gone to them and made it right with them? I remember when I was 17 and I came to know the Lord as my Savior, but I remember after I got saved, I had to make some things right with my mom and dad. 
some things in my life that I had hidden from them. And I remember the night that I sat down with my mom and dad and I said, I've got to talk with you. And I confessed things to my parents that they had no idea. I'll tell you, that was hard to do. It was hard to watch my mom cry. It was hard to see the grief on my dad's face. But I'm going to tell you something. I went to bed that night with joy and freedom and victory because of confession. I had made it right. And I know what it is to come to church and you know that your heart is not right and you leave church because you've confessed your sin. And there is joy. There is freedom. Men, humility is the key. It is the need of the hour. And why don't we confess our sin? It's because we're proud. It's because we have this image that we want people to see of ourselves. We want them to see in us the best light possible. We want them to acknowledge us in the best light that we can. I was able to stop and see my two kids in college on my way here, and I thank God for that. And um, my son gave me a card and the last week was my birthday, and he gave me a card. Boy, I've read that card two or three different times, and, you know, the card was kind and gracious and his love and um, all of that. But I'll tell you, there's been times I've had to go to my son and say, I'm going to tell you something. I did wrong in this way, and I want you to forgive me. And I remember doing that thinking, he's not going to respect me after that, but I'm going to tell you something. The respect grows because he knows that I know that I'm a sinner. And men, let us be good at confession. Good at confessing our sin to God and making it right. Number three, we come back to James chapter number four, and I want you to notice, I believe the third and last way of humility is dependence. Dependence. We see the Bible says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. There it is, dependence. The Bible goes on to say in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Uh, folks, realizing that living the Christian life is really looking unto Jesus on a daily basis. By the way, a man's potential for God lies not in his ability, but in his opportunity, and not just in his opportunity, but in his humility before God. By the way, our humility testifies of our dependence on God. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, we used to do where we would go to public schools and pass out flyers and we sent buses out to pick up points like McDonald's and Dairy Queens and we would bring teenagers in to a rally at our church and, and uh, in our gymnasium there. And I remember one year we had worked hard, we had labored, we had other churches involved in this big event and, and uh, it was supposed to rain. Like, I mean, it was just supposed to pour. And I knew that those young people going, waiting at those pickup points, they wouldn't go because of the rain. And I remember praying and fasting. And I knew a prophet stopped rain for many years. I thought maybe I could stop it just for a day, you know. And I prayed and I sought God and I fasted. And it rained like it had never rained before. And I was so defeated. I'm going to be honest with you. I was just, I mean, I was at the depths of despair. And that night, here at the rally, the buses were sent out. It's pouring, it's thundering, it's storming. I'm thinking, Lord, I prayed, I fasted, I sought you. And that night, teens were coming in, and I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of teens here. And then I see some big strapping guys, and, man, I'm thinking, man, that's got to be a football team or something. I go over to the guys, and I say, hey, hey, it's, it's, it's great to have you here tonight. And they said, yeah, yeah, we're part of the football team. They said, we would have never been here if it had not have rained. Boy, in that moment, God dealt with me because I realized, you know, the Lord has it all taken care of. 
And I prayed, and God did answer the prayer. But it is our dependence on God. And I'll tell you something, men, the, the longer I live and the longer that I'm a pastor, the more that I realize I must live in dependence upon God, and dependence in prayer, and dependence in His Word, and dependence in confessing, confessing my sin, and dependence in surrender to Him. Andrew Murray said this, Humility is the place of entire dependence on God. Every unyielded life is perpetuating the crime of Satan. Now think about that just for a moment. It is the yielded surrendered life. Humility is the place of entire dependence upon the Lord. By the way, humility is not thinking lowly of oneself. It's just not thinking of yourself at all. It is the place to where you are thinking of God and His glory. Your eyes are upon Him. Your eyes are not upon yourself. By the way, humility is not working to be humble. It is not trying to act humble. We're good at that. It is not striving to be humble. It is dependence on the Lord. And being in His presence, I'm going to tell you something, it crushes us. It breaks us in the presence of the Lord. Can I encourage you with this? Begin every day by acknowledging your need for God. Take the hour with God. Take that time. Can I tell you, that is dependence upon the Lord. That reveals the sin in our life. That brings us to the place to where we are humble in His presence. Can I encourage you with this? Begin your day expressing gratitude to God. I said last night that uh, proud people are ungrateful people. Have you ever thought about how ungrateful we really are? We really are ungrateful, are we not? I mean, really, it's true. I, um, I, God has dealt with me about my ingratitude. And really, the root of it is pride. And it was said of Matthew Henry that he was an alert and thankful observer of answered prayer. His gratitude for God's mercies was constantly sweetening his spirit. And he would often invite others to join him in giving thanks. Why? Because Matthew Henry was a humble man before God. In fact, I wonder what would happen if we crossed paths. Would we find one another as humble and dependent upon the Lord? Someone that is grateful for God's blessing. And then let me say this, practice your spiritual disciplines before the Lord. I believe that your time alone with God and that time in prayer and your faithfulness to the house of God, your faithfulness to give the tithe, all of that reminds us of all that God has done in our heart and life. May God help us. I want to close with this. During the time that John Newton was a pastor, he had the practice. He made himself write a new hymn each week. Now think about that. Pretty amazing. On one of those Sundays, he had decided to preach on the passage of 2 Samuel 7.18, where the Bible says, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? It's a wonderful verse. That verse is what inspired John Newton to write Amazing Grace. And a part of that, he reflected on his own life and knew that he had nothing to boast of. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Men, I want to choose the place of humility before God. It is submission to God. Where are we not submitting to the Lord? Where are the areas where we have not submitted to Him? And then confession. What have we refused to confess to God or to others? And then thirdly, dependence. Dependence.
I think all of us know that when we try to do it in our own strength, we fail and we fail miserably. But can I say this to you? I'm grateful that God allows us to fail so we turn back to dependence upon Him. May God teach us humility. And men, as we get closer to the Lord, I'll tell you something, that brings humility in our life. We recognize who He is and what we are before Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for these men this week. Lord, I believe I'm in the presence of some of the finest men that I know, that I've met, and I thank you for these men. And Lord, I do not know their personal lives, but I do know this. I know, Lord, that you have called upon us to put on the clothing of humility. Lord, we pray that we would leave this retreat in humility, not in a place of, Lord, discouragement or a place of dejection upon our sin, but Lord, to look at Thee, to see how much You love us and to see how much You care for us. And although we are sinners, and yet, God, Your mercy is so great. Lord, deal with us today. Help us. Our heads are bowed and our eyes.